welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like capital ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It would mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy. If you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy, you can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions. And that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Wow. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning to the Clubhouse community. And uh, good morning to hearing all things sports in the Breakfast with Champions. I always like bringing that special viewpoint 
to the room, I think it's important. What I always try to do is bring life lessons from sports that can be applied to business, to life, to success, to creating opportunities. I think that's the best thing I can do for the group. And it has been an interesting time for me. As some people know, I was in the NFL for 10 years. And what happened last week, I know Sarah has some special insights on this because the life of coaches was put into limbo in a big way. And I'll explain what I'm doing about uh, consulting with that right now. Um, so the season ended, the regular season ended. For those who follow the NFL, they're in the playoffs now, and it's getting exciting with the playoffs. But a week ago Sunday, the NFL season ended. And then what you had is what we called in the industry Black Monday. Turns out eight of the 32 teams, one quarter, released their coaching staffs. So the turnover of a 25% in leadership is just amazing to me, yet it seems to happen every year. There are a lot of reasons owners get impatient, fans get impatient, media gets impatient. They want success right away. It's hard to defer gratification in sports. People want it right away, so I get it. Um, and it's tough because what I've seen when I was at the Packers, we went through a couple coaching changes. It's very tough because everyone focuses on, okay, that guy's out. Let's who's going to be the new guy. Who's going to be the next coach. Everybody's speculating. Are we going to get this guy? Can we get this name? But what's left behind the detritus is very unpleasant. And I've seen it, you know, what happened The head coach is usually going to be all right. He's got a lot of money. He'll have opportunities. But all these assistant coaches and all these trainers and video and equipment and strength and conditioning, they're all part of this. And they kind of wait around hoping the new coach who comes in is going to want them, but the chances are they're not. Chances are they'll bring in their own people. So they kind of hang around and they scour the internet for rumors and they're looking anyone in their network that maybe has job prospects. They've hitched their wagon to the coach who's no longer there, which is interesting. And I know some of these coaches, they've been calling me. Do I know anything going on? And I'll get to more of that in a second. But the other part is the families. And this is really tough because think about it. You're in the middle of January. Your life's been thrown into chaos. You don't know where the kids should start school. Uh, you don't know what you should do with real estate, put it on the market, get out of there, go somewhere else, go to your hometown, go wait, see what's happened. But then the, the new coach may want you, so you got to stick around. And Andrew, and in college football, it's always the week before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and that's even worse. And I just, I guess it's sort of bringing, and I've done this on radio and TV this week, just kind of bringing it out to the public, like, wait a minute. There's a lot more going on than the head coach being fired, and before the body's even cold, everyone's saying, who's going to be the next, and it's exciting. And So I try to bring out the humanity in this, and lo and behold, one of these teams reached out to me, and they heard me on a podcast, and they said, you know what? That's good, but more importantly, we're going to hire a new general manager 
And I said, I don't want to be your general manager. They said, no, no. <laughs> they said, we want you to help our process. So I can't disclose the team, but I'm working with an NFL team now, and we're going to pick new leadership. And so I've been in there, and what we're looking for is leaders. So the general manager we're going to hire is going to pick the coach, but everyone's going to have the same vision. And I'll share a little bit of what I tell them. And what I tell them is there have traditionally been three models for hiring a general manager, president, leader of your team. Number one, and the most prominent, has been a scouting background where someone has come up through the ranks just bird-dogging players, right? Looking at players at colleges, looking at players on other teams, seeing if they're good enough, writing down all they know about these players, knowing who's good, who's bad, what way they move, how big, strong, fast. And I think that's an old model. But again, teams keep coming back to that model because you want your leader to be able to pick the best players because the best players give you the best chance to win and so on. The second model has been a coaching model where you get the coach to be your overall leader. And that is, of course, in New England with Bill Belichick and a couple other places. And that has some flaws, too, because leaders have to be forward thinking. They really have to focus on the future as much as the present, whereas coaches are very, very immediate. And we see why, right? Because coaches got to win now or they're out. So I think it's a very tough model to have someone that's coaching, which is trying to motivate, get players to run through a brick wall for you. And on the other hand, look to the future where you're going to have to get rid of some of these players. You're going to have to be emotionally detached. So that's the coaching model. The third model is more of a financial model. Like my background in sports, someone who has handled all the contract negotiations, the business negotiations, done all the player contracts, managed the salary cap, which I also think is a good way to come up, but also needs more breath in terms of other things they've been doing. So what I'm telling teams is, listen, we can go with one of those three models, and we're interviewing people in all those models, but I think the key that we need to lead an NFL team right now is a different model. I think we need consensus, a consensus builder who's above these three these three parts of the team, right? He's above or she is above someone who picks the players, is above someone who coaches the players, is above someone who handles the finances, and has incredible, incredible communication skills because that's what you need to bring these three parties together going in the same direction what's happened with this team and others they've had fractions they've had silos right that's what happens in business you get silos where part of the organization's working this way everybody's comfortable they don't want to really deal with the other part of the organization and vice versa so that's the problem so i don't think teams are well served by just, okay, we're going to go with the scouting group, or we're going to go with the coaching group, or we're going to go with the finance group. No. Who's the best person to bring them together and lead? 
And then I just think we're in a different time, right? We're in 2022. These sports organizations are not like they were even five years ago, where you just go with the same old model about picking players and this and that. And No, no. The average NFL franchise is worth about $2.6 billion. They need someone who's used to dealing with this level. A lot of people running NFL franchises were running NFL franchises when they're worth half a, million, half a billion dollars. So we are looking to industries beyond football and beyond sports. And I've told this team, like, we got to shoot for the stars here. Like, we're going to bring in someone to lead this organization that's not limited to football. Like, we're looking at industrial giants. We're looking at tech. Yes, we're looking at tech. We're looking at Apple. We're looking at Google. We're looking at Yahoo. We're looking at media and not broadcasters. Like people who have run media companies. And people are looking at me like, wow, can we get one of these? I'm like, <laughs> you're in the NFL. You're the most popular sports league in the history of the world. Last weekend, average 30 million people watching your product. 91 of the 100 shows, top shows in 2021, were NFL games. 91. <laughs> so, yes, we can get these people. Can I ask you a question, Andrew? This is yeah. Sarah. Yeah, I'll, ask, I'll open up now. No, you're on a roll, but I'm just curious as I'm listening, when you're saying you might bring in like a head of a media company or something like that, do you think that there might be internal friction from the team of like, well, this person hasn't come up in football, this person doesn't know the game, this person doesn't know our organization, this person doesn't know our town? What's it actually going to look like to bring someone from outside the industry? Is there going to be like an outsider? Is there going to be an outsider-insider friction point? Or do you think that they would just be like, oh, it's so cool that the head of such and such is here? Yeah, it's a great question. And they said to me, when they brought me on, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you things you don't want to hear. And I'm, they said, well, you were in football for 10 years. Why would I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking bigger, bigger. And the answer, Sarah, is they're going to, I think, tear it down to the studs. And I know that's exactly the opposite of what I was just talking about, the humanity part of it, because we're putting out a lot of people, right? Putting out a lot of people but they're gonna tear it down. And all these people are gonna be hired and approved by this new leader who is going to come in maybe from one of these media giants, maybe from a tech giant, maybe still from sports, maybe from another sport, maybe someone who's run a whole nother sport. And they're buying in at this point. <laughs> Ownership is buying into this prospect so again, the NFL has seven. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. 
Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. General manager open, openings, I'm working with one. So if you see in the next couple of weeks a major hire outside of sports, maybe inside of sports, maybe I was involved in that. But again, I, I bring this up because I'm trying to show how sports can be applied to life because sometimes we think too small and here's an opportunity to think big. You have the resources, you have the following. You've seen a way, here's the big thing, you've seen a way of doing business that hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for this team. So here's something new. Questions, comments? Uh, this is Tyrone Poole. How you doing, sir? Hey, Tyrone. Uh, I uh, am a two-time former... Super Bowl champion, yes. Tyrone Poole, in Thank the building. You. Yeah, I know yeah. Tyrone. Yes, sir. Um, and I, I, I agree uh, 1,000% of what you're talking about being uh, innovative because I'm a firm believer that you can't be innovative with traditional thoughts, even though tradition sometimes is needed. The foundation of tradition is needed. Uh, but the innovative part is always increasing and changing. So I say all that to say when Al Davis, um, uh, God rest his spirit, uh, mm -hmm. he was innovative. The NFL was traditional. And Al basically said, hey, we need to have stadiums. We need to have this in the stadiums, this and that. And, you know, the NFL was traditional. So it took someone who was already a part of the game, though, who understood the fans, who understood this versus bringing somebody in who really didn't kind of understand that, 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 that atmosphere. And, uh, but Al uh, took the NFL to a new level. So all these luxury stadiums that you see now, you know, Al Davis um, uh, had a, a little bit of a part with that. So um, now when you go to Green Bay, you don't have to worry about standing out in the cold freezing your tail off you got a luxury seat <laughs> you can go into but uh but yes i just wanted to respond and uh agree with you on the uh innovative and uh you know bringing you know people in that have the foresight to see the future but still understand uh the game so thank you I yield thank you yeah, it's hey, okay. hey, Andrew, i'd love to make a comment too well i love your your share is it okay of course yeah, so what you're saying reminds me so much of what the Disney company was going through maybe 20, 25 years ago when they hired Michael Owens, right? And they thought that they would bring somebody in from outside. He wasn't really part of their empire. He didn't come from parks. He didn't come from TV. He didn't come from movies. And he was so out of his element really smart guy, right? He was a super agent and he was connected to everybody in Hollywood. And I think maybe Disney thought that was going to be the angle. They'd be able to bring in all kinds of stars and really upgrade the talent in their movies. But the team, the Disney team wouldn't adopt him. And he ended up, I think maybe after maybe less than a year and a huge contract and a big embarrassment for Disney, they ended up bouncing him out of there and, uh, and and it just didn't work out. So I so appreciate what you're saying, but it is such a fine needle uh, to thread with exactly what you're saying, where, you know, these teams do everything the way they've always done them, 
Yeah. And I think it scares it scares everybody in the organization when somebody new comes in. Even the thoughts that you're bringing, I'm sure, scare some people. Like, what is this guy here talking about? Come on. That, that, you know, we don't need that. You know, we need this. You know, the same old thing that we always did, right? It's also like Moneyball, right? How, how they looked at Billy Bean like he was crazy because he wanted to look at it a new way. And, look, you know, that changed the sport. So I hope that some of what you're preaching and some of what you're talking about does come in. And as good as the NFL product has been and well-received, wow, uh, there's a lot of room for improvement on a lot of fronts. So I hope you're really successful in getting the, those new eyes and ears and thoughts in there to see where the NFL can really go. But thanks for – I'm really so glad I'm listening to you. It's a great share, and I love listening to your story. So thanks. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, um, it's You're so right about change being hard and, and people being – not accepting or not resi- or resistant to change. It happens all the time. You know, Ty talked about Green Bay and the suites and everything. We, when I got there, it was just a sort of a corrugated box. Lambeau Field, this storied franchise, has this little stadium, looked like a high school stadium. And um, me, not only me, but a few people, like we got to change this. <laughs> like we can't, we can't continue to operate like this. And of course, where there's like, what are you talking about? This was the Ice Bowl. This was Bart Starr. This was Vince Lombardi. I said, yeah, but we got to upgrade. We got to make it a real building. And in sports, you have to have more than, you know, just 10 days a year. Back in the early 2000s, believe it or not, that's what these stadiums were in sports. For at least football, it was 10 days a year. Eight regular season games, two preseason games. That's it. Now there's no building in sports that's just for the team because you can't operate like that because a big, big part of sports economics is facility and stadium economics. So in Green Bay, I mean, we developed Lambeau Field to a renovated product that's going to be on display Saturday night that has obviously has Packer Hall of Fame tours that go every day. It has restaurants. It has um all kinds of memorabilia and then the Packer Pro Shop, which does a million dollars a month. And in the heart in the dead of winter, this building is open seven days a week. So these are the kind of things people are like always going to be resistant. And in this situation you're trying to again go against the grain, but yeah, buy in and hopefully the person that's hired is going to bring in all the people that he or she wants. And they'll buy it. Andrew, I sorry, Andrew. Sarah. I um, I saw my friend David Spizak on mic, and then save time for me, Andrew. I got a question for you before your segment is up, David. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Sarah. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, David. So I think this is such an interesting topic, and you always bring interesting topics that, in the beginning, to uh, to uh, many uh, sound like pure sports, but they actually all or oftentimes a microcosm, um, you know, Ford Motor Company uh, brought in years ago uh, a gentleman with no, which was un, unprecedented at that time, was somebody who had no previous experience in automotive whatsoever. And uh, he ended up uh, guiding them through a, a really tumultuous time and did more to elevate the value of that 
of that brand and that company than anybody before him who did have that experience. So <clears throat> I'm one who personally believes that you could do that. Uh, being a 49er fan, as you know, and uh, and good luck this weekend. Um, but, you know, Carmen Policy uh, spent no time as an NFL executive. And uh, Tyrone just mentioned Al Davis, who was – people don't realize, many people don't realize how – innovative uh, Al was back in his AFL days and that he had so much to do with uh, turning the NFL into a modern product. But Carmen Policy was was very much the architect of turning the 49ers into one of the most innovative teams there was at that time. And he was actually an attorney with no previous experience. So I think it's a very interesting take and I, and I, I understand it. It makes sense from the standpoint that the NFL at the end of the day is a product. It's not just a sport, it's a product. And any product out there has has to be able to evolve and keep up and modernize and, and stay relevant. Uh, and so I, I agree in, in, uh, in many regards with Tyrone, but we're in a different world. The other thing that I think plays into this, and I'd love to hear from you, is the diversity issue, you know? We still have only one black executive in Major League Baseball. Um, we still only have one black coach uh, at this David, point. David, that's literally where I'm going with my question. And, I'm and, so and, aligned and, with you. And we, we only have one black coach. We don't have the black. I mean, 65% of the players, as you know, are black. And yet, where's the executives and where's the coaches? So I do think whoever they bring in, we still have the Rooney role, whoever they bring in, how are they going to, don't you think they have to address that as well? Oh my gosh, David, I have to jump on that because that was literally my question for Andrew before this segment ended. And then Andrew, I promise I'll pass it back to you. I was actually going to ask the exact same thing. If we're talking about changing the structure of NFL organizations, I was literally about to dig into this. Everything that you just said, the fact that teams, the players are majority black, the coaches are majority white. We know the Rooney rule doesn't work. We know that it just elevates the same coaches over and over and over again into you know to interview one each time we know that by and large minority coaches continue to be assistants if they're given roles or they're you know assistant defensive coaches or if they are elevated it's the same coaches going for the head coaching roles i'm super fascinated if they're going to rebuild the structure and the culture of how coaching staffs are made, how they're going to address the fact that systemically this has been a problem that's plagued football at all levels, including college, where lots of times you see minority GA positions or one minority coaching role on staff. Um, I'm super curious your thoughts on that, Andrew. I was going to throw you that hard ball. Yeah, great, great points. And David, we'll, uh, we'll reconnect after Saturday night. It'll be an interesting game. Um, <laughs> Hey, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to do a friendly uh, legal wager. By the way, <laughs> okay, we'll do, consider, we'll do dinner, dinner, and drinks or something. Consider it done. Done. You make great points. That you guys mentioned the Rooney Rule. Now the NFL is the beacon, so everybody's looking up what are they going to do. For people who don't know, the Rooney Rule is developed by Dan Rooney, the late owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which back in the day was just requiring one interview with a minority coach for head coach. That has been expanded to include general manager, to include offensive and defensive coordinators, and to include the top position in the finance department. Um, the results, as David said, still have not been great. At this point today, 
We only have one black head coach in the NFL. Obviously, that's going to change, I believe, in the next couple of weeks with eight openings. <clears throat> but, um, you know, at least in my situation where I'm consulting, diversity is a big part of it. And not only people of color, but women are part of this discussion, are part of these interviews, are part of the people I'm putting forward. So this is all in play. And as far as trickle down, Sarah, to colleges and lower levels, yeah, it's it's hard to mandate. And, you know, you speak about your Raiders, that Raiders discussion, Ty. I remember when Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, hired John Gruden. There were no other candidates that were seriously taken. And the Rooney Rule was there, so the interviews with black candidates or minority candidates were just for show, and they were shams. And that's okay in, in one sense because you're not going to change the mind of an owner when he's got his sights set on someone like that, but there should be sanctions. And that's the problem because people see that. It happened this year in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, and interestingly, those two coaches are now out. But again, the Jaguars wanted Urban Meyer. They weren't going to have any serious interviews with minority candidates because that's who they had settled their sights on, and that's unfortunate. How do you do that? I don't know. I mean, you have to have leadership mandating. By the way, I'll, pa I'll just mandating I'll serious consideration for minority candidates and and really open to that. And that's something that's that's changed. And I think the best way. Sarah is to include this mandate, not at the not just the top levels, because what we know about life and hiring is is networking, right? So you've got to make it available. You've got to get leadership and decision makers in front of lower levels minority candidates, so that when they're in the hiring process, they know these people for years. They know the names, and I think the NFL is doing pretty good in terms of developing this network of minority candidates now including women and people they put out there but we'll see you know the proof is going to be in the pudding and this is a reckoning right now with uh, all these openings available and what we're going to come out of it on the diversity side yeah and Andrew I really Oh, sorry, David. No, you go. I mean, I was going to say, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not surprising when you look at the fact that, you know, as, as you're all talking about, these teams are businesses. They want to hire experienced coaches. The fact is that if one in 12 coaches on a coaching staff is a minority, then every time you're going to have 11 more coaches who are a white coach. And so then what's like, as you're saying, it's at all levels. If you're not elevating minority coaches at the college level, because you're fine with one, if you're not elevating them into coordinator spots, if they're, you know, a handful of black coaches that have had coaching experience at the collegiate or NFL level that people take seriously, then it's a numbers game that the fact of the matter is that there are just going to be a vast majority more of white coaches who have more experience throughout. And so I think you hit the nail on the head that you're not going to be able to interview sufficiently qualified black head coaches at the NFL level unless there are huge systemic changes to make sure that more than one qualified candidate is pulled in for coordinator positions, which means that they also have to be elevated from beyond the DB role on, on staffs at colleges and across the NFL. And this is something I'm super passionate about. So I'll pass the mic back to David. So, so 
you know, it's interesting. Uh, Michael Strahan just yesterday called out the NFL, which, you know, Michael Strahan's got a big voice the way LeBron does in the NBA. Michael Strahan's got a huge voice in the NFL, and especially because he has become such a, a massive uh, star in, in media and not just NFL. He's, he's crossed over, as everybody knows. But he called out the NFL uh, for systemic racism. Um, you know, Michael just had his his number retired uh, by the Giants just in the past few weeks, and and uh, and he's uh, obviously a phenomenal player, phenomenal person, and and I think that he was right to do that. Also, to Sarah's point, um, you know, it it's funny how things don't get applied equally. It's funny how it they're more concerned about checking the box than making real changes. So we saw that with Doug Williams, it took took forever uh, for somebody to give a, a, uh, a black quarterback a shot and and is absolutely a ridiculous notion at that time that, that uh, they didn't feel like they had the wherewithal to be able to command uh, the football team and all of the IQ, the NFL IQ you had to have and the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I don't know, Mahomes, uh, you've got uh, Kyler Murray, didn't have a good day, but he's a fantastic quarterback. And, you know, you've got uh, Baltimore Ravens and, and on and on. So the reality is that, you know, when you look at Kingsbury in uh, Arizona and Sean in, uh, uh, with the Rams uh, and you've got the 49ers coach, you know, you've got some people. We've never seen younger head coaches in their 30s, in their 30s in the NFL. But, you know, guess what? Shockingly, they're all white. So there's just a lot of work to be done. And perhaps the NFL will recognize the fact that while they are a, an incredibly popular sport, no doubt, all things we've seen it in the world, things can change rapidly. And ultimately, you know, you got to ring true with your fans. If you've got nearly 70 percent uh, black uh, players in the NFL, you know, you also have a, a very large uh, and interested and smart uh, audience that is also black and you know, it's pretty easy for uh, most people to kind of see what's going on. So I hope it I hope it does change. Thanks, David. And I'm going to turn it back to you. I just want to say uh, thanks for letting me share and sort of taking you guys inside. I'll report back next week on how it's going and sort of other issues. Uh, just uh, for those interested on all my channels, my main social forum is Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Instagram is Andrew Brandt too, and you follow me here. I think um, if you can listen to my Business of Sports podcast, because I just interviewed the head of Tennis Channel and Sports Illustrated and in Tennis about the Novak Djokovic situation with the Australian Open and uh, how he was turned away and deported. Obviously, I did a podcast on the Rooney Rule we just talked about with Dan, Jim Rooney, Dan Rooney's son. Newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. Sign up there. And uh, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.